Say good evening to each one. Greet you in the name of Jesus. Thursday evening, the message was on the blessings of being a deacon. Last night was God equips who he calls. But you know, the truths of those two sermons are not going to be fully realized unless we have a willingness to serve. Key ingredient, a willingness to serve. You know, I I went online, Amazon Prime. I couldn't find any willingness to serve on sale or even for sale. And I went through five pages, nothing. Some books that might help you get there um, or at least point you, who knows. I couldn't find any. So what are we going to do? How, How do we develop that within ourselves. And again, this message is, yes, it's directed primarily maybe to the three brothers, their wives, but it's a truth for all of us, okay? It really is. A willingness to serve. How do we develop that? And I'll just say here in the opening that surrender, it was already mentioned, appreciated the devotional, it was already mentioned, surrender. It's one of the thoughts that I didn't pursue and, and develop here but I agree, unless that happens, unless you surrender to God's will, surrender to the calling on, on, that is on your life, wherever that may be, you're not going to find a willingness to serve. But like I said, I'm not, I didn't pursue that. Instead, I, I'm going to just take a look at a few foundational truths that unless we know these and embrace them, take them, for ourselves, I don't think that we can even really develop a willingness to serve. And the first one um, is just simply the fact that we are God's possession. And that's not a new thought. But when you when you face what these three brothers and their wives face, this you just you come face to face with what we call rights. Some of your plans that you had, what you thought your life was maybe going to look like. And you're not sure what's what's going to change, what's going to happen. And then this truth that, you know, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Becomes even more real when that's there in that balance. And so they're probably feeling that very keenly right now. But we are God's possession. And Paul just hit the nail right on the head there in Romans 12, verse 1, where he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, therefore, and he's, Apparently was, you know, the first 11 chapters, you know all the truths that are there, our great redemption. Um, All those things, our position in Christ as true believers. And he says, because of all that, here's just a reasonable response. And remember, this is for all of us. Your bodies, your life should be given back to God as a 
living sacrifice. Think about all the Old Testament sacrifices. It was an event that happened once to that animal or that grain offering, whatever it might have been. And they weren't a living sacrifice. They were dead. They had served their purpose, but they were done. It was, it was a one-time thing. But that sacrifice is something that is given back to God. And uh, in my daily readings, I have been going here a while back, was going through where those laws were set up and those, those offerings and um, some of those first fruits that they were to, to give back to God as an offering, I think was simply a reminder that you're just stewards. The things that they harvested, the natural things that they harvested from their fields, they were just stewards of that, and they were, when they were required to give that first tithe back to God, well, depending on how you read it, the first and the second tithe, one went to the Levites, one went back to God. I think it was simply a reminder. You're not your own. You're just stewards here. And so, so if we can think about that, what he's asking us to do, we're bought with a price. Think of your salvation. We're bought with a price. Well, first of all, we are created by God, so we're his by, by that reason already. But, of course, as the scriptures say, we've all taken our own way, and we all went down our own path, and then God made that big sacrifice. He sent his son, and he bought us back. So we're his doubly in one way. So... As Matthew Henry puts it, presenting that sacrifice, when they put, when it was a, a sheep or a kid, they would put their hand on the head of that animal. And what that was representing was that you, as the owner of that animal, were now transferring all your rights, your title to that, your interest in that, you're surrendering that to God. Is that the sacrifice? your living sacrifice that you're giving back to God today. That's what he wants. I really think that until we can embrace this fact and just surrender to it, make it a truth in our own life, I don't think we'll find a willingness to serve. A continual sacrifice, constantly, a lifetime of giving back to God. And yet he says it's only reasonable. It's logical. It's your reasonable service. The verse that I had alluded to in 1 Corinthians 6, 24, you are bought with a price, therefore, because of that, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So God has done so much for each one of us. There's one sense in which God wouldn't have had to buy us back. There were several times that he was, he was done with those complaining children of Israel as they were going through the desert. And he, just, he basically just told Moses, just step back, just remove yourself from them. I'm going to get rid of them, and we're just going to start this whole story all over. I'm just, I'm just tired of it. You know, and God could have done that. He, he could do that with any one of us. He wouldn't have had to send his son in one sense, and yet that plan was put into place before the foundation of the world. But he did. He bought us back. 
and therefore we are not our own. That's why we're called to, to give up, same as those Old Testament people gave up the right, their interest, their title to whatever that property was. We need to do that same with ourselves and just say, okay, you know, here's my plans. But God, I'm willing to say to come to you with open hands. And that's, it's easy, maybe easy to one degree to come off of our lips, but to live it out is sometimes another story. That's what we're called to. He's bought us back at a high cost. We are his. It's a reasonable service. And I was interested in the fact that you mentioned worship because this service here can be translated. It can mean worship. It's a reasonable worship. It's part of worship. That's what those offerings were, was part of worshiping God, honoring him, recognizing him as the giver of all those good gifts, the things they needed in life. 1 Peter 2.5 Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Why? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So the first truth, if we want to have a willingness to serve, the first truth that we need to embrace, to understand, is that we're God's possession. We're not our own. The second one is found in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'd like to read, turn to that, please. I'm, I'm going to read uh, quite a few verses there, and then just pick out just a few uh, to find this next truth. 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to be in, begin reading in verse 4. Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, or to profit all, everyone. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Note this verse, 11. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? 
And note this verse, 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. A lot of truths in there that we could look at. I only want to look at those two verses that I had pointed out, verse 11 and verse 18. And the truth here is that God has chosen you and he's appointed you to a, a certain position, a certain job that he wants you to do, a certain service that he wants you to do. And it's going to vary with each one of us. And again, this is true not only for the three brothers and their wives or for only for the one that will be chosen tomorrow, but it's, it's a truth for all of us. God has chosen you. He's appointed you. He's gifted you. Verse 11 in the ESV reads this way. All these are empowered by one and the self-same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You notice that? It's as God wants it. Sometimes we think we know a lot. Maybe I shouldn't say we. Maybe you guys don't, don't think that way. But, and we, we think we know how things would work. I've already told you in the other sermon that when I was ordained as a deacon, I was tempted to doubt God because I knew several other brothers in church that were better with finances than I was. So sometimes we think we know some things and I still can't necessarily today explain why. I don't know that answer, but I had to go back to some of these truths and just say, okay, I don't know what's best in this situation. But he has chosen. First, verse 11 talks about him choosing through the Spirit. Apportioning to each one individually as he wills. See, it's not so much the people of the church that have chosen you. God has worked through them. But God is behind that. God has used his people. He's spoken through them. But he's chosen you. You know, there's, there's a possible danger if we would take the fact that, let's say this would have been basically unanimous. I don't know how... You all work that here, but if it would be unanimous and one person, you could say, well, the people chose me. I have the backing of the people. But you know, as life goes on, certain events happen, certain things happen, and maybe you lose some of that backing. Then what do you have to stand on? We need to be able to come back to this truth. God has chosen us. God has chosen us as he wanted to. And he's given his giftings accordingly. And so if he's done that, he's also promised that he'll never leave us. And so that's, like I said, that's what I had to. I had to, at times when I was tempted with some of those doubts, I just had to go back to truth and say, no, I, I can't go by my reasoning, can't go by how I'm feeling. I have to trust that God knows what he's doing. 
It's easy to tell others that God doesn't make mistakes, but when you're fighting your own battle, it's a little tougher sometimes. Verse 18 in um, the ESV, it says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. I was just thinking of our physical body, and it, it uses those examples. But I was thinking if we sometimes, um, maybe it would seem nice if we'd have an arm down here where one of my legs is. That way when I drop things at work, it'd be a lot easier to pick things up. But that wouldn't be very nice when I had to run away from a, a mad cow or something. So we just don't always think things through. God thinks things through. He, he has a plan. He has a design in mind for the church. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. That's one of the ideas that that last part, as it hath pleased him, as, as fits his plan, as he has designed. I work at a cabinet shop, and I, I build the cabinets, the boxes. But I don't get to choose Monday when I go back to work. I won't get to choose which cabinets I want to build. I like to build the wall cabinets. They're a lot simpler. I get way more done in a day. And I like how cherry wood looks. So I'm just going to build a whole bunch of wall cabinets this week. I can get way more done. Well, imagine what your kitchen would look like. <laughs> Run out of wall space and there's no base cabinets. You know, no, I have to follow the order that comes out that was decided on by the owner of the home and the salesman. And they are the ones who have an idea of what this kitchen is supposed to look like. They know what that kitchen is, how that kitchen is supposed to function, what purpose it's supposed to perform, how it's supposed to serve them. And so there's a design there. And so, yes, I have to build that corner cabinet with all the angles and everything that just takes three or four times as long. It has to be done. I have to build that tall unit, you know, where, that, where the stove goes in and the microwave and every dimension has to be just right so that appliance that they've ordered is going to fit. But when it's done, it's according to the plan. And the kitchen works. It's nice, I hope. And uh, <laughs> I won't tell you where I work, and then it's not an advertisement. But it's all done by design. It's all done by plan. And the church is no different. God has a plan, as it pleased him. And so I, this, this is a truth that if, if we can just grasp this, understand that, it'll help us accept others in their positions. It'll help us to be content where we're at, what we're called to, and... It's just going to make a lot more sense. If that kitchen is built according to the order, it will fulfill the owner's plans, and it will be pleasing to them as it hath pleased him. But you know, we like to understand it. We like to have, uh, we like to have it make sense, don't we? At least I find that for myself. Um, you know, if I could just figure this out, if I could just have this answer, but why? But no, we can just go back to these truths. First of all, not my own possession. I'm God's. Therefore, my rights need to be handed back over to him. And secondly, God is the one who has chosen me. 
and he has gifted me, he has gifted you because of the design, the plan that he has. He brought all of you together here now for a specific purpose. He has a plan for the Salem church. And it's going to be beautiful if everyone is following the plan, if you don't just choose to build wall cabinets. But you do what God wants you to do. There's another aspect of this, as it hath pleased him. And it has the idea of that it is actually pleasing to him. It brings joy to him when we do what we're called to do, what he has designed for us to do. I struggle sometimes personally with feeling like I just, you know, can't quite meet people's expectations. And when I was studying this the first time, probably about a week ago, I was looking at this scripture, and when the truth of that hit me for my own personal life, you know, sometimes it's, it's less than two years that I've been appointed to the office of the bishop. And um, I don't feel like I just have all the natural giftings that I need. God is going to have to develop some of this administrative part of it. I'm not a good planner. I'm, I'm more of a maintenance, um, take care of things as it happens. I don't look out ahead far enough. So there's things I have to develop and learn. And so, you know, can I please him? But no. He says, he has chosen me. I have to just come back to this truth. God has chosen me. And if I do what I can by his grace, he's happy. He's pleased. And it's a freeing thought. It really is. It can even be exciting. And so it's helped me to just to study this and to learn that. And so I just encourage you to just, just take this and just look at it and try to understand that. First of all, there's a design, there's a plan, and it's going to work beautifully if, if all of us do our part. And then that other thought, as that happens, I think God just has a big smile on his face. His heart is just warmed. He loves to see that, a church that is just functioning every part, that which every joint supplieth. Even when I don't have all the answers, even when I don't understand, maybe I feel like I'm, I'm asked to do something that just really stretches me and just gets me way out of my comfort zone. For you're not your own. You're bought with a price. <laughs> just try it anyhow. And just try to rest on the fact that some of those truths that were heard last night, God's going to equip you. It may be a journey. It may not just be an overnight thing where you just... You know, all of a sudden, I can, I'm now a good administrator. I can just all of a sudden plan, you know, things very well. No, it's, it's been a learning process. Um, but let's be surrendered to God. It will just, it's just going to help develop that willingness to serve. That's a truth for each one of us again. First Peter 5, 2, several other scriptures here that just talk to having a willing heart. Peter says, feed the flock of God which is among you. And I think he was talking to, if I remember right, he was talking to, I think he called them overseers, other leaders of the church. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Take the oversight thereof, 
not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. He's encouraging them. He says, don't do it because you have to, but do it willingly. And I remember something mom used to tell us, came time to wash the dishes, and I'm not sure boys just don't like to wash dishes when you're, you know. She said, well, if you want to do it, you don't have to. Well, the first time you hear that, that sounds pretty good. And all of a sudden, the truth sinks in, and it just makes you mad because there's no way out. <laughs> you don't have to if you want to, because then we start saying, well, I want to. Just go ahead and do it. <sighs> well, there's truth in that. You know, once we surrender, it's just what Peter was saying. Don't do it because you have to. Just, just do it willingly. Don't do it for the filthy lucre. Don't do it because of what pay there might or might not be, but just with a ready mind. That ready mind means a cheerful readiness. You don't have to wear the martyr's look. You can just do it cheerfully. Not by constraint, but willingly. Then Paul talks about it. This was his testimony for, for himself and for Silas and Timothy in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. He says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. They were willing not only to share the gospel, but their own lives. They were that they were giving their lives as a living sacrifice to that to the church there. Willingly have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Couple examples from the Old Testament. I thought of Samuel. God used Samuel in position of uh, prophet, judge, general, uh, maybe even priest. And it says the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. They figure he probably lived to about ninety-eight. Very successful man in the Lord's work. Why? How? What was his secret? And I wonder if it didn't start way back when he was helping out at the tabernacle and he learned as a young lad, the way it sounds, just a young boy, to accept whatever God put to him. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And when he, when he told God that, you remember the message God gave to him? It was something that probably most grown men would have been afraid to go to Eli and tell him the judgment of God was coming on his family. But Samuel did. So he, had, he was willing to do what God called him to do, and I'm guessing that followed him throughout life. And that is why it says, And the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. Very challenging. Isaiah, he responded with a willing heart. There in chapter 6, when he... Uh, the year that King Uzziah died, it says he had a vision. He saw God in all his glory. And as he saw the holiness of God, he saw himself. He saw his own sinfulness. And he just, he just confessed that to God. And then he was cleansed. And then God found out how serious he was. He said, God said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And he said, here am I. Send me. And again, that's not just for the three that are in the lot. That's for all of us. You know, maybe it's not so clear at this point what God's call is on your life. 
Do the little things. Whatever you have opportunity to do, here am I, send me. You know, I, I wish I could tell you that I've lived a good example of this, being a willing servant, but it's not the truth. It's, it's a lesson that I've had to learn the hard way. It does not work to, to fight against God's call on your life. There's been several different times. I guess I'm a slow learner, stubborn or something, but I know when we were serving in Belize, after about nine months of being there, the other family left that had been there several years, and uh, I needed to step up and take leadership of the, the mission and the church. And I didn't so much mind stepping up, taking leadership of the, the mission and some of those things, but I just wasn't quite ready to take the leadership of the church, but that was part of the calling at that point. I was not ordained at that point, but I was commissioned to preach and to lead out there. And that first year, give or take a little bit, I just did not embrace that call. And uh, I had two, two faithful brothers, one from the church there and one from back home here that just gave me a kick in the seat of the pants when I needed it, as it were, and said it's time to step up. What all was lost in that year, I, I don't know. I, I cringe. So don't. Uh, don't fight against God's call on your life, whether it's one of you three or anyone else. Don't. It just doesn't work. There's no joy in the journey. There's no, I didn't enjoy uh, that, that year. I, I just, it just wasn't, I did it because I had to. Just exactly what that verse that I read, not by constraint, but willingly. I just had it backwards. I did it by constraint. I remember a phrase that was mentioned by an old retired bishop that was helping with our bishop ordination here a couple years ago. And he said something like this, on the other side of surrender, there's beautiful relationships. And I'll let you explore that as you learn to surrender. Two verses in closing here. Well, I just want to go back and cap again the two truths that we need to, to look at, to embrace, is that we are God's possession and God is the one who has chosen us and appointed how he wants us to serve. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you two things, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he's saying God is the one who's going to give you the desire. He's going to give you that willingness and then the ability to perform it. And then we can do what Psalm 100 verse 2 starts out with. It says, Serve the Lord with gladness. So I pray God's blessings on you as a church and especially you three couples. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth that we can rest on times when we maybe are struggling, facing doubts. I pray for each one of the congregation here, Lord, that we would be surrendered to your plan for our lives. I pray especially for the three couples, Lord, that you would be close to them, 
give them the grace that they need and both the will and the ability to do your will. Father, I pray that you would grant each one of us safety as we go from here and also a good night's rest. May your will be done tomorrow, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.